You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, credential member of the media, Pelicans Insider, editor of LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with you all on this game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans get set to take on the Houston Rockets in the Smoothie King Center tonight. What should be a, a sellout crowd and one of the bigger sellouts you, they can have in the Smoothie King Center. Yes, there is kind of a scale with that. Not every sellout is the same. This one seems almost assuredly with the Pelicans winning uh, six out of their last seven to be one uh, as they look to make it their get their first four game winning streak going tonight. I'll preview that game for you all as well as the weekend's game coming up against the Los Angeles Clippers in the second and third segments. And then finally, we'll talk about just a grab bag of topics in the first in the opening part here. The all-star rosters are announced. Are you team LeBron? Are you team Steph? I think it's very obvious what side Pelicans fans are going to be on. I want to mention the Jason Kidd firing. Uh, touch on that as well. So we got kind of a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's touch on Jason Kidd and the Milwaukee Bucks because I think this is a pretty interesting story that, you know, on the surface may have had some parallels to the Pelicans a couple of weeks ago when people were really calling for Alvin Gentry's head. And I'm curious to hear if there are going to be boos in the Smoothie King Center for him tonight. Um, And certainly there was a, a valid reason for wanting change. And I think you could have said the change was warranted. And I don't think it would have necessarily surprised anyone. Uh, had the Pelicans made a move, though now, uh, with their current situation, being five games above 500, I don't think you can go ahead and do that. But the Milwaukee Bucks also had a winning record when they let Jason Kidd go. They also had a superstar player and a loaded and talented roster that they felt was underperforming. The difference here, I think, was the way uh, Jason Kidd was handling things internally and to the media. Um, And this is maybe one of those things where you don't want someone talking to the media. Over the past number of weeks, Jason Kidd was offering up basically every single excuse as to why this team wasn't winning at the, you know, to the pace that people thought they should have to the expectation where I think needs to be retired now. So Jason Kidd was basically saying this team is young. They're filled with young guys. You shouldn't expect them to be winning. They're not, you know, being a game above 500 is good. You have Giannis, who's legit, you know, a top five, top ten guy in the NBA. Uh, When you have Eric Bledsoe, when you have Jabari Parker, who hasn't played really at all this year, um, and a number of other guys on here, you know, it it definitely seems like, no, I don't think that that's really exactly a valid excuse. There's still a ton of talent. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's there as well. They should have been winning more than they were. And it sounds like Kidd was just kind of pissing people off in the locker room with everything leading to the firing. When you have a head coach that is basically trying to make every excuse and it's more, well, it's the players, they're not playing well, they're not doing this well, whatever, 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 they're young, they, all of this, it just looks so bad that you have to fire him at a certain point. Now, the good news is the Pelicans aren't having anything like that. No one's really kind of blaming anyone else in a situation uh, like this. So you have to kind of be happy it never came to that that point here in 
uh, New Orleans. So the other weird thing about this is after he was fired in a press conference, and of course it leaked on social media supposedly before Jason Kidd officially found out, and he found out because Giannis called him, and he then talked about the private conversation he had with Giannis, where Giannis said, well, do you want me to go to ownership and like tell them not to fire you? Because Giannis, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like really likes Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd said, no, you don't need to do that. What a douche to just release the, uh, um, the, not to release, but to talk about the private conversation you have with someone and with a player. And when one of the biggest things here is the fact that, you know, these guys didn't really like him for the way he kind of approached things internally, leaking private conversations isn't going to help you get another job. And I have no idea why he did that whatsoever. Very odd move. But yeah, basically with how dysfunctional that situation had become, you have to fire Jason Kidd. Pelicans have not reached that point. Doesn't appear they will reach that point. Uh, so when you look at kind of coaching firings and maybe criteria for that, you know, the Pelicans aren't on any sort of level even similar to that. So quickly before moving on to the basketball games, the all-star starters and rosters were announced. It was, of course, that draft style. And wouldn't you have it, both Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins were selected on the same team. They are going to be on Team LeBron, who, by the way, is just head and shoulders ahead of Team Steph Curry. Starters are LeBron and Kevin Durant, Davis and Cousins, and then Kyrie Irving in what is maybe one of the funnier things I've seen. The guy who wanted to get away from playing with LeBron James. Starters for Steph Curry are James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Giannis, and Joel Embiid, which might mean this, his starting lineup is worse than his actual starting lineup with the Golden State Warriors. Of course, there's Draymond Green and Klay Thompson on the bench there, along with Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Carl Anthony Towns, and Al Horford, where LeBron's bench is Bradley Beal, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, also comical. Russell Westbrook, Victor Oladipo, Porzingis, and John Wall. So we're we're all on Team LeBron here. Normally, I don't really care about the All Star Game. The results, you know, last year was cool with Anthony Davis getting the record for points in it, and then of course the trade really happening and breaking then. But now with the Pelicans' two starters on the same team, this is going to be way more fun and interesting to watch, and maybe just fuels those rumors about LeBron James wanting to come to New Orleans, picking both Davis. And Cousins? You never know. But no, that's not going to happen. So like I said, briefly wanted to touch on that here because it's nice to see both of those guys on the same team in the All-Star game. So speaking of the All-Star game, we had some fun over at LockedOnPelicans.com taking a look at if you were LeBron James or you were, Steph, you, were, you were Steph Curry, that's who it is, who had the second overall pick in the draft and Anthony Davis was on the, off the board, who would you take with your pick? knowing you can't take Davis. Go give it a read over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So the Pelicans take on the Houston Rockets tonight in what's, again, rather an important game for the Pels here as they sit, you know, five games above 500, looking to get their first four-game winning streak of the season going. And they're playing one of the better teams in the league. The Houston Rockets are 34-12, second in the Western Conference, and look to maybe be the most realistic threat to the Golden State Warriors. These two teams played back on December 11th in Houston in a kind of surprising game where New Orleans, without Anthony Davis in this one, had a big lead against the Houston Rockets before losing it in the fourth quarter. 
And that night, they kind of had everything going right for them offensively. The Pels shot 18 of 33, 54.5% from three. Their best shooting performance from deep on the season. They had a very good game plan against the Houston Rockets, which I'll touch on. But Drew Holiday scored 37 points. Each one more had 36. DeMarcus Cousins had 24. Darius Miller was in the starting lineup at 10. Rajon Rondo played 42 minutes, by the way. We're not going to see that tonight. He had 13 points as well, and the bench total had three single points against those Houston Rockets. Yet the Pels ran out to that big lead, partially because of the shooting. You know, going of 18 of 33 is going to kind of take you very, very far in the league here. Um, but the interesting thing was the defensive game plan against the Houston Rockets. And if you remember, that was the Clint Capella game where he was the leading scorer for the Rockets with 28 points. Harden put up 26. They were Harden was kind of largely contained in that game. The Rockets took 45 three-point attempts. They made 17 of them. So in a way, the Pelicans outshot them there. That's exactly what you want to see from this team. Again, not the shooting, but the defensive game plan. The Pels clamped down on Houston's three-point shooters, knowing they like to let it fly. They were content to let Capella and Harden drive and score on pick and rolls and get and live at the rim. Sometimes it's just a math game in the NBA. And if Houston is raining down three-pointers, which they do, uh, you're going to have a tough time beating them if you can't keep up with them. And with the Pelicans kind of going a bit cold from three in January, that's probably the smart move. The Rockets lead the league in three-pointers attempted per game. They're taking over 43. They're 11th in three-point shooting percentage. They're shooting about 37, 36.5% from deep. Opponents can't keep up like that against them with the amount of threes. Even if you shoot a better percentage than them, they're shooting volume, and it's going to eventually even out, or they're going to kind of get an advantage there. So you don't want to get into a three-point shooting contest with this team. So if you take that away and force them to beat you inside, the Pels want to play that game all day long, and they will. And this time you have the added benefit of Anthony Davis playing in this game. One of the reasons uh, Capella and Harden kind of went off there was because there was no AD to try and be that second defender down in the paint to take things away. You had, you know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, who still wasn't playing the level of defense that he's been playing recently. So if you can kind of see these guys get out there and defend and put forth the effort, maybe you take away some of those easy layups, some of that pick-and-roll action from Harden and Capella, and if you're still clamping down on the three-point line, you can beat this team. The bench, though, is also going to need to step up. You can't rely on, you know, your starters giving you two, uh, 70 points between the two of them and 24 from another, even if it is the big three of DeMarcus Cousins, Drew Holiday, and Anthony Davis. You're going to need a more well-rounded attack against Houston because they do have a lot of guys on the bench that can score, particularly Eric Gordon, who lit up the Falcons for 27, going five of six from three off of the bench. Look, he gets you know minutes with the starters late in game, so you don't want to look at it as bench versus bench. But you still need guys to slow him down. You need the reserves to kind of keep up the scoring load to take some of the burden off of uh, the starters. So you know you need to get more than just three points, one, three from Ian Clark, and that's it. 
The Pels are in a bit of a better position right now. You've got Ian Clark, who's playing some minutes. You have Jameer Nelson, who's still getting a few minutes, probably a few too many. Darius Miller will now be moved to a reserve role coming off the bench where he can keep his hot shooting going. That does add up pretty well for the Pelicans here. That They're a better roster right now than they were when they played the Houston Rockets before. It's got to kind of give you a little bit of hope against that. Now, Houston is a tough team to rebound against. They're the top defensive rebounding team. Part of that is because you, and we've seen the Pelicans struggle with this, those long boards they can't necessarily grab and they give up um, certain things. So you're not going to get offensive rebounds from this team because you're shooting so many threes and it's long boards that Houston's in perfect position knowing this to try and grab those. Watch their positioning on a three-point attempt. They're not gravitating under the basket. They're spread out a little bit more knowing that it's going to kind of take a carom off of the rim. Uh, so you got to kind of go out and make your shots because they will make you pay and then grab that board and start racing out in transition, which is what they want to do. It's a Mike D'Antoni team after all. But the crowd should be loud here in the Smoothie King Center tonight. As I said, it's going to be a sellout and one of the bigger sellouts they've had all year. I think it's expected to be bigger, as big if not bigger, than the opening night game against the Golden State Warriors. The Bells can pull this off, and I'm going to talk about it briefly in this next segment before talking about the Clippers. They have a chance to go on a big run here leading up to the All-Star break. There's 10 more games for the Pels going into the All-Star break. They can go 6-4, and 7-3, and three, which I don't think is an unrealistic record. This team has a chance to be in very good position heading towards the playoffs because at that point you're fighting for seeding and how high can you go and can you potentially get some uh, home field, home field, home court advantage in the first round. So look, a ton's been going on around the NBA, so make sure you listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. Catch up with all the stories, get the local angles from the podcast hosts in those markets. They'll tell you more than I do in my opinions, and they've got the inside story on all of it. So make sure you listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. So before we talk about the Clippers, let's talk about the upcoming schedule for the Pelicans leading into the All-Star break. And of course, we'll do this again next week. But... And I was wrong last segment. There's 11 games if you count Houston going up to the All-Star break. So the Pels have 11 games coming up. I'm going to quickly go through them. They got Houston, the Clippers, Sacramento, OKC, Minnesota, Utah, Indiana, Philly, Brooklyn, Detroit, and the Lakers. Just hearing those names, there's a lot of wins there. So if we just go straight shot, teams the Pels should win against, teams the Pels should lose against, because you can basically at some point just flip one of those. You're going to probably lose to Houston. You should likely uh, beat the Clippers. Sacramento should be a win. OKC could go either way, but let's call it a win. They took care of business against them early on in the year in pretty good fashion. Um, you got Minnesota, which you're going to probably lose to as they've had the Pels number this season. You got Utah, Indiana, that's wins. Philly could go either way. You got Brooklyn, Detroit, LA. That's a significant number of wins there. Right there, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, basically seven and four over this stretch. They're likely not going to do that, but if they can go six and five, but you know, that'd be great. Uh, seven and four, though, is pretty excellent. At that point, it would put you seven games above 500 at the All Star break. You're looking very good with only 25 games left to go. One, you're basically a lock to make the playoffs at that point. But then potentially on how things shake out for other teams, and on Monday we'll look at the standings around the NBA 
for the opponent's uh, schedules and different things, you have a very good chance to go on a run and basically make your playoff seeding happen. This is the stretch where the Pelicans need to do it. Winning, you know, six of the last seven is perfect. If they can make it, you know, four in a row tonight, that's even better. But these next 10 games after the Houston game is really where it gets interesting. Cannot lose to the Kings. Cannot lose to the Lakers, to the Pistons, to Brooklyn, to Indiana, to Utah. Some of those aren't bad teams, but they're not on the Pelicans' level. We know this. They need to win against those at the very least. They do that, again, you're looking at potentially like 7-3 and three over that next 10. That'd be even better. At that point, you're looking at, what, seven in three, nine games above 500. Could not ask for much more than that at that point. So hopefully the Pelicans can get it done and be between, you know, five to seven, eight games above 500 would be ideal for them as they hit the All-Star break. So we're going to briefly touch on the Clippers since this game is going to be Sunday at around 2.30, early tip-off. I love those things because I feel so old now. This Clippers team was out of the playoff race for the longest time, and then they went on a six-game winning streak that was part of a larger run where they had won 10 games out of 12. And then recently they've hit a three-game losing streak, which has kind of put them on the skids again. They have a ton of injuries. Patrick Beverly, their starting point guard, is out. Neo Gallinari is out. Austin Rivers is out currently, and who cares? Uh, then you have Blake Griffin, who missed a ton of time for them. DeAndre Jordan missed a handful of games as well. Yet they still went on that run because they kind of have these guys that really want to go out and play. You've got Lou Williams, who should have probably been an all-star, coming off of the bench and just gets hot and can shoot lights out. Um, talk about a trade target the Pels would love, uh, but it's going to take way more than that than they have to offer. So this team goes out and does some things well, some things not so well, and the Pels are three games up on them, basically. So the Pels are three games from falling out of the playoff race. And this team doesn't really scare you when they match up with the Pelicans. They've got two bigs and, you know, Blake and DeAndre Jordan. And for the most part, other than one hot shooter off the bench, that's really it. And that's ideal for the Pels because they can kind of handle those guys. Blake Griffin does give the Pelicans trouble. He can shoot inside, outside kind of his hyper-athleticism. Makes him difficult to cover for anyone in the league, let alone Davis or Cousins. You'll likely see Davis guarding him. But for the most part, again, they're not really a scary team. This Clippers team gets to the line and then doesn't make their free throws at a great percentage. But the Pelicans need to be smart and not foul because if you do... They are going to go to the line a lot, and for a team that struggles to score offensively at times, you don't want to make life easier there for them. Do rank in the top 10, but that's been a more recent thing. All year long, they haven't been a very scary offense. They don't play much defense ranking in the bottom third. Go out and just score on this damn team and don't lose to teams at home that you shouldn't lose to. It's kind of as simple as that. The other thing, the Pals have recently been going for more offensive boards. We've seen that really make a difference, energize this team, and get some teams on the back ropes and reeling a little bit. The Clippers are a bad defensive rebounding team. They're second last in the league. Go after offensive boards. By doing that, you might get extra fouls, get DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin out of the game early, and that can make a difference here. Because if those guys are in foul trouble, we've got nothing 
nothing on this team that really scares you. Drew Holiday is going to be able to contain, you know, Milo, uh, Milo Theodosic. You're not too worried about their wings or anything like that. If they can get, you know, Blake and DeAndre in foul trouble, this game should be a walkthrough for the Pels, particularly at home. What's also likely going to be a packed crowd in the Smoothie King Center. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening throughout the week. We'll be back with you all on Monday to recap these two games, to preview the you know Western Conference standings in the NBA, see where the Pelicans need to go from there. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com, and I'll be back with you all on Monday.